Yo, it's your boy, buddy. You. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Cloud John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. The 10th year seniors.com. 10th year seniors.com. You're logged in with 10th year senior. Welcome to the 10th year seniors podcast network. This is Long Range Two Pointers. Now, ostensibly, this is supposed to be an NBA podcast, but I feel like we had such big national basketball team Hola. news that, <laughs> that that's John. He's, he's Hispanic, but also just returned from Mexico, so... His Spanish guess, is up. Yeah, I, I guess he returned Spanish to his... Game up. I guess he returned to his roots, but... <laughs> we are still on a high from our senior men's national basketball team getting that huge, life-altering win over Mexico here at home. It was a big deal. John, you are always on these trips. You have been a part of the losses. You have been a part of some big triumphs, especially at the junior national team level. Put this one into perspective for people that don't know how big of a deal this is. Well, let me just go first by saying I think the funniest part of this is Mario's speech at the end of the game. Oh, boy. What did he say? No, not at the end. At the beginning of the game. Oh, and boy. Mario was just like, you know how Mario speaks. So yes. I'll, I'll, put, I'll, put it, I'll, put in, I'll put it in regular terms. And he's just there like, look, when we were in the Dominican Republic, when I coached my last game, Buddy got me the basketball and they all signed the ball and I have that sitting on my mantle. He said... I would make sure y'all get me this basketball at the end of the game so all y'all can sign it so I can put it on the mantle next to it for my last game. So Mario like, always wins his last game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I, I'm thinking in the back, like, why don't we just say this is your last game for every game? I'm sure I'm sure that's exactly how he said it, too. I'm sure he said, you guys are going to get me yes. that basketball. Yeah, just that, like that, that verbatim. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. Because when Mexico shot the shot at the end of the game, I was like, oh, I got to go get this basketball because you don't know where it was going. So they literally shot it. Then the guy from the bench shot it again. And then Mike Carey was able to get the ball. I was right behind him to, um, to get the ball. But no, it's I, I was messaging you in Mexico. And you were like the undersized. The, this, the, I've seen them practice all their practices. We were better than Mexico. Let's just put it that way. You know what, Mike? What? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to. You know what? Uh, was it Mike Carey? It was either Mike Carey or Mike Thompson. They told me that... Um, that altitude of Mexico was what really got him. Oh yeah, no, that, that mess that, that's him. that's a part of everything because that even got me, and I was just rebounding. <laughs> that's and that's part of the reason why um, the federation decided to go early. Right? Yeah, we go a couple of days early, like because they first thought it was gonna be Mexico City, and you know, Mexico City is like seventy five hundred feet above sea level. It's like the highest city in the world. Yeah, right? no, not the in highest. Americas but in oh, America, in, yeah. well, at least in Mexico. But Guadalajara is just a little under a mile high. It's like fifty one hundred feet. So we got to practice, and everyone's like, oh, no, we're feeling good. We're feeling good. We got to the hotel. Everyone took four-hour naps. That game after. speed different, bro. No, no, this is after practice. Oh, dang. This ain't even game speed. This Jesus. is after practice. Everyone was passed out. Like, everyone was waking up. This was All-Star. Um, yeah, All-Star weekend. The All-Star weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I woke up, and I was just like, damn, the game's on? <laughs> like, I didn't even know. That's that's how much I, that's, I just passed out. But we have the shooting. We were undersized to an extent, but we just have the athleticism to be able to to deal with that. Sha- adding Shaq in this window actually helped because Mexico couldn't bully us I was, in the paint. I was going to say, he they, they tried to go at Shaq early. I guess he's a little short, so they yeah. and he did not budge. They, no, he shut it down quickly. He if did a we had job Shaq in Mexico, I, I fully believe that we win the game just as easily as we won here. So what do you think the biggest difference was between... I mean, because we, we see this happen all the time in the NBA playoffs. When you see an opponent more than once, you get a chance to 
adjust. What do you think the biggest difference was between game one and the way we lost and then coming back in game two and dominating in that same fashion? Game one, everyone tried to play hero ball. When we were going through the film um, session, if you look at the amount of touches we had on offense per shot, it averaged like one and a half touches per shot. And if you watch this game, like I didn't watch it, the the film, but I'm assuming we hit four to five passes per possession before shooting the ball. The shot clock was running down. We were shooting the ball with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Or we were walking the ball up the court and then rushing the offense. You had um Deshaun. He hit nothing in Mexico. Like He couldn't buy a bucket. Mike couldn't buy a bucket in Mexico. He couldn't buy a layup. There was two fast break possessions where he fumbled the ball and lost the ball. Like Ooh, Mike we, Thompson or Mike Carey? Carey. Yeah. Mike Thompson too. He was shooting bricks. He'll tell you that too. It's just, it was just it was something something was off. Like I don't know what it was. It, the pra- the morning practice with everyone was hitting the shots. Narcos. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> everyone was hitting their shots, and but I I don't know. I couldn't explain it. Who, it was who? a it was eleven to, uh, eighteen to eleven at the end of the first quarter yeah, in ju- Mexico. They jumped on us pretty quick. They shot seventy five percent in the first half. I think they shot sixty something for the game, didn't they? Yeah, they should no fifty something. But it was, from the two point, yeah, it was high. It was, really it was high. it was too high to win the game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean for us to win the game, like, and we had twenty turnovers. We had we caused twenty turnovers Ooh. in Mexico. What in terms of like um who they try to run the ball through? What was different between the game of Mexico and the game here? I'm, it's just unselfish basketball in this one. Um, I always tell people to. Kino playing at home is a big difference. I don't know why. When Kino plays on the road and Kino plays at home, it's it's two different different Kinos. But um, personally, I felt that they should have played Dominic more earlier in Mexico because he came and he was a change of pace. He caused three turnovers immediately. Very limited minutes in yeah. Mexico. And and Furley too. I uh, Michael Bain Jr. for the people who are looking. If at If you're listening to a basketball podcast, yeah. you got to know who Furley is. This is a behavior. Behavior podcast. Yeah, so I, I know feel like everybody so, our age knows when you say Furley who that is. One thing I like about Kino too is that, um, and this is a great lesson for young basketball players to take with Kino. Kino sat out for most of the first half, um, in the in game in the Bombers. Came on, got turnovers, got rebounds, and got on the run like nothing happened. He didn't pout. He was up on the bench. And he kept he kept that energy up, and they they played him more as the game went by. But he didn't put his head down, and when he got his chance to go in the game, he got in the game and did his thing. He oh. is the leader of that team, the like spiritual just, leader. Just yeah. Even more so in terms of of bringing leadership off the court. But I mean, obviously, he does it in terms of his production as well. But like John was saying, there's a difference in the way he pl- maybe he plays on at home or on the road, but when he performs well, there's a difference in the way this team plays. It's almost as if when he rises his level, everybody rises with him, and I think that's what you saw. Like you saw that connection between him and Nato. Yeah, I honestly feel like Kino coming that's- out and having such a big impact kind of gave Nato that confidence. Like, all right, let's go. Like well, we see him doing this. He's an elder statesman. We got to get up there too. Nato is just a confident player. Like regardless of what. <laughs> It is like I love the irrational confidence. Yeah, and, and it's it's great. Even though I beat him a one on one, we could put that out there. Oh boy, um, I don't think that ever happened. No, it did happen. I'm, you, you know, you, we're you gonna ask him. You can ask him. I beat him one on one. Um, where y'all play? Mason edition. What was the score? Three to two. Okay, Bahamian basketball history. John is the first white person to win a one on one game in Mason's edition. I'm so yeah. proud of him. Making history all over the place. But uh, no, Dominic. He changed the pace of the game. Like. There's nothing against Cornish, but I think that Cornish was listening to the assistant coaches too much and the coach, and it was just confusion because you can see he's a downhill player as well. But it's like in Mexico, he tried to slow it down, and that's not really his game. 
No, they're different um, types of guys. Yeah. It's, but no, even with Cornish, Cornish could take it to the hoop. Like, Cornish is the athletic, but there was just, conf- like, during the game, it was just conflicting everything. Like, in Mexico, it was just a cluster fuck. That's all it was. I also noticed when we um when we got out ahead of them, too, we were constantly on the run. Well, I, I'm guessing it wasn't like that in Mexico. We were constantly on the run because we were down. In uh, Mexico? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Early. Down early I know, and often. I know like we, we, we got the po- we At the third quarter, we got down to eight, right? The, the score, we were down by 20-something. We got the score to eight. And we were just I was just thinking in my head, Mario needs to call a timeout now. Three layoffs, back-to-back. Mexico hit, and that was the end of that. I also noticed number nine from Mexico, the little guard. He, um... Cruz? Yeah. He yeah. kind of went off in Mexico, right? Oh, yeah. He I shot, noticed they... The no, but, well but the thing is... Too. Hit the, Mexico's strong point is the three point shot, yeah. and we held them to, I think it was a thirty percent. Oh, we outshot them from beyond the. Yeah, arc. no, but yeah. we held we we held them in Mexico too. But I like noticed the, the game plan was is hold Mexico, don't let them get the open threes. So I was they can shoot the I ball. was gonna say they 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 played them hedges so hard, like they had the big fellas all out on the perimeter, and I guess that's the advantage with the kind of bigs we have. Like we might not have seven footers, Very but we have. We have six nine guys who could get out, move their feet. Shaq did a good job of doing that. So yeah. did Kino. Uh, I don't know what David position. David Nesbitt. Yeah, well. Nesbitt did the he, same thing. He was huge. Tage from a from a coaching perspective, because I feel I always feel like people that coach the game watch it differently from fans. But what did you take away from how the team performed here at home, based on just what you've seen from national teams in the past? What made this game stand out and made it so special? Um, yeah, I think they played at the pace that they wanted to go to. I think they know they couldn't shoot, and um, they couldn't shoot with Mexico. And I'm guessing uh, they had an advantage in the paint. I think having Shaq there was big because they they went at him early. I guess because, like I said, he looks undersized. So they tried to go at him early, and when they realized that that wasn't happening, they stopped immediately. And then they did a great job of running him off the three. And they really just got in there. Um, our our mid-sized guys like Mike and um, and I guess Nesbitt is kind of a big, but they did a great job of getting on the boards. He plays, cool. you know, the, the the typical undersized big that plays above the rim. Yeah, and you can outperform your size. Like that's what what David but, Nesbitt was doing. Like, I, me and John were talking about this. There was a point in the game, and I'm sure you remember this too, when Mexico was making that run. They yeah. cut it to ten. And you started to feel the tension. Yeah. Everybody got a little nervous. A 23-point lead goes to 10. And then we miss another jumper. Nesbitt comes from out of nowhere, grabs the most athletic rebound in that game, puts it back, and that, like, breathed a sigh of relief into everybody. Yeah. So we were like, all right, the seal came Let off. Let me tell you something about when they got that lead to 10. Bro, the I was only so thing I, was I like, thought of time on Mario. was, no, 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 it wasn't no time on Mario. It was Panama 2016. We yes. had a 21-point lead against Mexico. With six minutes to go in the game. We win that game. We're in the semifinals. We're in the America Cup that round, uh, that year, whatever, the 2017 year or 2018, whenever they had that tournament. But we blew a 21-point lead, and then we ended up losing in overtime. And I was, I was like, no, not again. I was like, we cannot be up by this much against Mexico. And, and it, it was the lose. three ball that did it because they started hitting threes. Yeah. Yeah. We fouled the guy on a three. So it was a one point where they were just getting threes every trip up court and we couldn't make anything. But that play from Nesbitt is sometimes the individual effort that you need right there to completely break a game open because that's exactly what it did. And then after that, we were talking about this before the pod. Then Mike Thompson went on his 
I play it at a higher level. Let yeah. me just take yeah. over. Kind yeah, of you can tell Mike isn't in like he probably's not in the shape he'd like to be in. And bum ankle from earlier. And his ankles hurt, but he has a he has an extra gear. What he came out, he played as hard as he could, and then he got subbed out, and then he came in again because he was on the boards early. He made his impact early. His shot wasn't falling, but he was on them boards. And then next thing you know, he started hitting layups. Then he had a big three. Then like um, like I told uh, I told my guy on the side, he has a. I've been in the NBA gear. Like that's a gear most people don't have. That's it. He was just like, cause he made three buckets in a row. Yeah, he, yeah. he scored the, the last. Cause, scored the last seven yeah, to put the game away. I didn't even know. Like, and I see him after the game. I'm like, bro, you had. This one, you had, what, 19? How much points he had? Um, he had 11. 11 and 8. Led 11 the team eight. with 8 boards. Yeah. And then he goes, man, he said, man, if I didn't get hurt, I would have had 20. Yeah. Because he was no, just... I, I really believe yeah, that. He was just feeling it. Like, yeah. he was... He, he was told me before the game, he's like, I like these rims. They're not as tight as in Mexico. They're soft. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing well, even though the lighting wasn't the best. You know, the setup wasn't the best in there. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I but tell you, Federation. I tell you what, yeah. I didn't even know not a lot of team and score until afterwards. Yeah, I, yeah, no. You know what? That's where I wanted to go to next because you have the youngest player on this roster come out, lead your team in scoring at home. He had his own chair in section because I his, feel like he's like not only a raw talent production, but a tenth year seniors production. I mean, I feel like we were there at the very beginning of when this when this <laughs> yeah. whole thing really kicked off. But, but I th- and in the post game press conference, Mario said something that I think was very important. It's important that we see the succession like this because you have older dudes on the team like like Keenum and like Furley who are in their mid-30s at this point. But then you have someone like Nato who excelled at the junior level. He was MVP for U16 Central Basket. So you always see him do it at the junior level. U15, U15 CDC. And then now he's doing it at the senior level, steps up and has a big game. A game, I mean, we probably don't win this game without his timely shooting at some key spots. But the thing is, you really can't be surprised about him scoring because in NM3 in France, he's leading the league in scoring. What, so you know he could get he could get the buckets. What I'm impressed with is just his um this feel for the game and his pace. Yeah. Like they they had bigger guards. Them dudes they were 6'3", he's what 5'10" and they were in his face and they did not rush him, they did not bother him. He got to his spots and he got the ball where he wanted to. And that's that's really hard for a 19-year-old to do against other 19-year-olds. Forget about playing against grown adults who are off in Europe who have experience. And he didn't he, he didn't flinch. If I'm not mistaken, it's number 10, I think, from Mexico. He played in the same Central U-17 basketball tournament as Nato. Yeah. And he's, I think he's six, he's six foot six one. Mm-hmm. But just to... It's he's such a crazy strong, difference though. between. He's big and so yeah, it's strong. such a crazy difference because I think Nato is heads and heels above him yeah. in the game than he is. If Nato was six one, with the quickness he has now, that he is in the NBA. Yeah, you just you just even at a young age, you could tell he had that feel for the game. Like just watching him play high school ball or watching him play in nightly against older people, there was there was something different. There was that that it factor, and you saw it right away on the first basket he made because I think he came in and he got a three-point play on his first score, and this is the smallest dude on the court taking it straight into the teeth of the defense and making a physical play against a big from Mexico, but he scored that. Like, that's that shows incredible confidence, and I think that's a confidence that went up a level once he played in France. You also got to know that I feel in Mexico, some of these players got subbed. In. I think the rotation, Mario could have done a better job subbing them in quicker. Yeah, Like, you put Kino in the game, when you're down by 15, you put Nato in the game when you're down by 15. It's like, 
the basketball is going to be different yeah. than if you're in a close competitive game because some people are like, oh, Nato doesn't have the vision to pass the ball, this and that. But you need them buckets, though. Yeah, no, yeah. but he's attacking the basket. He's changing the pace of the game. And I told people, I said, it, personally, I was starting Dominic this game. Like, the, I thought what he did in Mexico was enough to, to warrant a start. But I understand bringing him off the bench for the change of pace. I was gonna say I like I like bringing him off the bench more because um because Cornish I don't know if Cornish has the feel for the game Renato has and he doesn't have a scoring touch. But I think I like the pressure he applies. Cornish is a better shooter than Nato. Really? Yeah, he's a better shooter. Why? And he's, and he's more athletic than than Dominic. Yeah, but I, I I just like playing. I like bringing Nato off the bench and him providing that scoring punch and that confidence and Cornish kind of. Selling him, getting the ball where they need to go with the first guys. I thought they should have played Shaq more in this game. Well, the thing is, Shaq just he just joined the team. Yeah, he just joined the team, and and I think what Shaq did in his little time, he made well, he brought the confidence up, I believe, in the team and rebounding. But he also made Mexico realize they, we're not going to be able to get in the low block nah. this game and bully them like we bully because they out rebounded us by like fifteen or twenty in the first game. You could see it. They went they went after him immediately when he got in the game, and the fella bounced. He bounced off Shaq, and now is the end of that. Yep. Speaking of, I, I wanted to talk about the way we started this game since we're talking rotations. We made the first shot. Yeah, Ooh. because um, Deshaun like was huge in that first quarter. Him and David yeah. set the tone for the way the remainder of this game went. And you could tell, because Deshaun had a couple heat check shots in he, there as well, too. But You know what's crazy? Like Deshaun only made, I think, three or four shots that game. He made his early. It's like but with him. He made them when they counted. Like he made timely baskets. Like that. Yeah. That's what it is. Like like you said, the heat check. It's like he made a basket in the first quarter. Then he didn't make one to the second I quarter. Think he, I think he had. Like he had free eight, or, eight or nine he put in, back? In, in in the first because he, yeah, he had a bunch of free. Yeah, throws. he ended up finishing with with fourteen. He was one behind behind Otto in terms of scoring. So, but but just the it was such a higher level of confidence that everyone was playing with after him and David made those first two jumpers. With Deshaun, is like he can take the shots he can take and whether he go on or not, uh, who knows. <laughs> but but, but he, he can take the shots he can take. He, he'll get to that step back, especially on the right wing. He can dribble into this spot and take it. Now, yeah, Deshaun shot four for 13, two yeah. for seven for the three. It, it's interesting because playing against him in night league, like he just pushes everybody around. Yeah, and big he, guard. Yeah, and he can't really do that against these guys, and he's he's taking the same shots against these bigger guys. Yeah, but I think he's gonna. I think he's a he's a great addition to the um, to the team because you need oh. someone who can shoot. He he he's a definitely he's a, he's a score. No, definitely no, for sure, hundred like percent. He could work on his defense. He definitely needs to work on his defense because in Mex- at least in Mexico, boy, he looked bad out there. Like everyone looked bad out there. It wasn't just him. You and know what I think a lot of that is, though. I honestly think, and this is not. To shun playing night league here, but if you are at a talent level that's oh, above yeah. what you're seeing all the time, it is difficult for you to always summon that extra effort and for you to always give 100% effort, especially on the defensive end. If you know, you know, I play a D1, I'm above the level of everyone I'm playing against, I can drop 40 almost at will. That's difficult for you to go out there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday night and give max effort on the defensive end. A person you didn't see here on the court a lot, I think you only had like a minute 40, was Willis uh, Mackey. Yeah. The the talks around the people in Mexico is, he's only been playing ball for five years. Right. He plays in Spain. Right? He plays in Spain. I think he plays in Plata or maybe something below that. But... They think he's G League. Like, he, they just, they think he's G League. They Ooh. think he has a jump shot. He's 6'8. 
Who is he? Like he's how? Fast. Who is he? Because I, ne- I never heard of him. He played at some small um, D two school. Yeah. But I mean, just his game alone, so, people so. are looking at him like. And they, he, and he played him, for five years total. They, like, yeah, he, total. Because he played baseball before. Oh. He was a baseball player. They think him. So this is like one Deshaun, of the Kai Jones kind of stories. Yeah, him, Deshaun, and Nato. Like people are thinking that they they're legitimate G League players. You know, like that's that's the bottom for them. All right, so what's next? So our first window, we go one and one. We have to finish top three in the group to advance in America, if I'm not mistaken. The group also includes the United States and Puerto Rico. Oh, boy. We have the United States in the next window, November 27th. And Puerto it's, Rico. It's such a long time between these games. Boy, oh, I tell you. Because I, I heard about it a year ago. I hate it. But, yeah, USA and Puerto Rico, we're playing them both on home soil. Um, we're in good shape right now because we have the point spread over Mexico. That's crazy. Like we got beat that bad in Mexico, and for us to come back here and win and get the point spread, it's amazing how much of a turnaround yeah. it was. So, and Mario in the press conference in Mexico said, "Y'all gonna see a different team, Bahamas, when we're back home. You know, don't don't judge us based on this game. I mean, that's typical Mario speech. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was it was true because in the locker room he was just like, "There's no reason we should have lost this game." Like, y'all just didn't execute. Like it, it was, and the players took it upon themselves. Like, yeah, it's our fault. It's not players only meeting. No, 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 no. We were. I, I love a good players. We only were, meeting. We were in it. They legit almost had a players only meeting in there oh, with the coaching staff. Players only meeting. But it's um no, they took blame for it. And the biggest take that I got was someone said, "Yo, where I play ball, if you play like this, you're going home the next day." I feel like that was Travis. No. Okay. That's all the guests yeah. you get. It's definitely yeah. Kino. I feel like yeah, that's a Kino. It's, def- it's definitely Kino. Okay, wrong again. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Yeah. I got to tell you off air. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, We so we were talking about November. Obviously, the U.S. is heads and shoulders above everybody else. But playing here at home, we feel like there's a way that we can help Team Bahamas. And me and Tage were talking about this off air. I mean, listen. Things happen, all right? Lawrence Taylor was famous for sending workers of the night to his opponent's hotel room whenever they were playing the Giants. Game for employment people? Yeah, yeah, when they were playing the Giants uh, in NYC. So all I'm saying is if the U.S. team comes here, I feel like they should be treated to Bahamian delicacies. Don't. And if they're having a barracuda buffet, I feel like that's okay because we want them to experience that. Yeah, or they, they say it tastes better than grouper. Yeah, I it's mean, why not good. try try some barracuda? Just do Atlantis, or um, they say uh, you ever heard the Pittsburgh hotel shenanigans? Yes, yes, I have. Like Atlantis, like I mean, you could, we could run a fire drill. You know what I mean? I'm just listen. Yeah, no, not Atlantis. Oh, I have breaking news. I have to oh, to say. Please break news. Yeah. Um, the men's national team is now known as the Bahamar men's national team. So, Bahamar, we're in a fire, Joe Blues. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, just so you know, in any publications, that's what they wish to be referred to. It's a heady play. Winning does some things. He decides to take us to their brunch. How about that? Ooh. Yeah, Bahamar. That's that's a good question. That's Bahamar a good point, is a I mean. great institution. Listen, all, all I'm saying <laughs> is, if we are somehow able to do this, I feel like that vaults this team to the front of international headlines. And I just want our miracle on ice moment. That's all I'm saying. Because then when we're at full strength. See, we say this a lot, but people still have yet to see it. Imagine us at full strength. 
I, I mean, can we get Clay Thompson now? I mean, he tore no. his... No? Free Clay. I, listen, we can. They just won't do it. Yeah. We that, can. That's a difference. All right? We absolutely can. We got done. Mikey. We got Mikey. They're done with him, aren't they? Like, he tore his ACL. He's 30. They're done. They got Jason Tatum. They got Jalen Brown. I feel like what this is is a sign that it's true. The U.S. separates families. Mm. We have his brother. We have his dad. Why can't we have Clay? No comment. Bloomberg 2020. Free Clay, though. Cut the check. Free, free Clay. Cut the check, Bloomberg. Stop separating families. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I wish we could get, like, I think this next window, from what I'm hearing, Kadeem and Dwight should be playing in this window. Um, for the first time, I'm not, like, I think our point guard game is actually to a level where we could be, res- like, respectful. Yeah, I love it now because... Tom Tom th- should be coming That's always that window. That's always been kind of like a glaring hole for us at the national team level because we haven't had people that really run an offense and can really be a threat to facilitate and score. But I think what, what Cornish and, and Nato showed is that we have that. And then, like you yeah. mentioned, Tom Tom's going to come off the Michigan State bench. The, the biggest struggle we're going to have in the next window is shooting guard. Like, because we're going to have Travis and Mikey. I mean, Travis and Mikey, they could alternate, I believe. But Travis could play the two. But, yeah, Travis is a big, big difference. Sacramento, stop playing with us, dog. What's funny is um. Stop playing with us. You think the Bahamas would not have a problem finding like small guys? Like, we, we don't have a small problem. small guys that can play like, at that yeah. level and do those kind of things. That is a difference. Yeah. Let's put it this way: the next <laughs> the next window difference. you're looking at Cornish, Tum Tum, and Nato being on that on the point guard position. Yeah, I like and it. that's I like the that. first time I could say that we've had legitimate three guards who could play at all. Because un- I, I, it's unfortunate, but maybe Furley isn't going to make this team, even though I think Furley's a great. Great person to have on the character team. Character guy, yeah. yeah. Um, then you got Travis. You got Mike Carey. Listen, I like the you fact got, that we may be in a position where we have a wealth of talent where you got to make some hard decisions yeah. because that's the only way a team gets better. I'm with that. I really want Mike Carey to show up in one of these windows. I re- he's <laughs> so talented and he's so big and so strong. Man. And I that's my guy. I love Mike and I really want him to show up. That was like, imbel- like I don't know what it is, but when... Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic, when he had Buddy, he played well because he was able to play off the ball. Yeah. Like, I think he was trying to do too much in this game for this one, like handling the ball. Like, there was a point in the game that he waved off everyone and then shoots an air ball. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, you, you had someone in the corner or you just pass it to, to someone in the post and let them play the easy game. And then, like, I think he did try to seek out contact and try to get to the line, and he sought, he probably should have got some fouls called, and he they weren't giving it to him. This is FIBA play, man. This is FIBA. Yeah, yeah. they're not it giving it. It ain't, it ain't the same at all. Yeah, they're, they're not going to give it to you. All right, let's shift, let's shift gears to the NBA. The arms race in L.A. is still going on. Like, I feel like every time there's a big name that's – available for well free agency is done but even towards the tail end of free agency and anybody eligible for a buyout it seems like the news on twitter is is always a choice between the lakers and the clippers and it seems like the clippers always win my question is why is it just that the clippers are more a team that's just trying to have a talent grab and get as much pieces as possible and the Lakers are going in a different approach to okay we got we who we got and it's all about team chemistry. You, what what do you think what do you think is the difference there? I feel that a lot of people don't want to play for LeBron or with LeBron. I wonder if that's what it is. Cuz of just of the perception that he has. Yes, he's a very aggressive player when it comes to off the court practice and management. And people are looking at Kawhi and them and looking like 
Well, they don't talk, so... They don't talk, they also don't play. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think it is, Sage? I mean, I think the Clippers might just have the better setup at the moment. The Lakers are a mom-and-pop operation. Um, they're famous, you know, for being that. They they That's the only way they make their money. The Clippers, they're run by, what, the sixth richest man in the world. Yeah. They're building all kinds of facilities. They might just have more to offer as a lie, team. I love Bomber. He, I love he's a wild. I mean, I'm I'm kind of disappointed. He should be like he's kind of out of the news. He's a real wild man. He's a Mark Cuban without the flair type wait, thing. Yeah. Wait, wait for the playoffs. But they're <laughs> oh, yeah. loose. They're doing a lot. The Clippers are doing a lot. They're building a stadium. They have like crazy facilities. They got the nutty uniforms, and then you have Doc Rivers, who's probably um much more respected in NBA circles than Frank Vogel. I mean, Frank Vogel is a great coach, but wait until Frank Vogel gets his championship. No, uh, Frank Vogel, he could coach his ass off. Don't get me wrong, but Doc Doc Rivers just has I don't know if it's because he's, he's, he's got that name, he's got that pedigree, he's I, got the title. He's an old black dude who looks like he goes to blues concerts with ten thousand dollars in his this, pockets. Like you just, who would you rather hang out with, Doc Rivers or Frank Vogel? There's two things with the Clippers. I feel that the Clippers are never going to be the Clippers if they still play in the Staples Center. Well, they're working on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I know they're building the facility. That's facts. But also, I feel that if they do win in the Staples Center. Then they're gonna take like take a spike in the general population of L.A. just because it's like they did it in the Lakers' home. Man, I, L.A. I, people don't fuck with the Clippers. Though. Yeah, and I, I was know. until say, they win championships. Watch L.A. But even right now, John, given what happened this year, especially with with Kobe's death, I feel like the Laker pride now is elevated to astronomical levels. There is, like, there's a is, team of destiny thing happening with the Lakers right now and all of LA's on board. People do like winning. Yeah. Trust me, there are people like, you know, you have people who cheer for both teams just because it's LA. But... but- they don't love one. It's like having two kids. You might you might have two kids, but you like you like one more than the other. I don't think that's true. You only have one, so you wouldn't know. That that's how it goes. Now do not have another kid. I feel like if I have another kid, I would love them equally. I do not think yeah. that I would favor one or the other. And then wait until Kaizen Kaizen goes to the major leagues and the other one sleeps in a dumpster. Which one do you like? What if the other one's better than him? Sometimes the younger ones do turn out to be better because they get to see the path to greatness. Oh, I'm the I'm a youngest child. I turned I'd like to think that I turned out better than everybody. But um But see, the the Clippers are trying to, even in the way they market everything, they're trying to take this the Lakers are the glitz and glamour and we're like the working class gutter side. The Detroit of of, of of LA. But in terms of the fandom, um I feel like that segment of LA still bangs with the Lakers heavier than they do with the so, Clippers. As I was saying before, here's the biggest stat in Clippers history right now. The score on Instagram post undefeated. The Clippers are 5 and 0 when fully healthy this season. <laughs> A tweet uh Justin Pan, a fan. Um those five games were against the Lakers, Heat, Spurs, T-Wolves and Grizzlies. Okay, isn't the bigger isn't the bigger story here is that they were healthy for five games. I was going to say, they only played five games with each other. Like, I think that's the buried lead. That, that, and they got Patrick Beverly in the middle of the photo. Oh, of I'll course. Fuck out because here, everybody... You know what? If Patrick Beverly is such an important piece, then why push Landry Shamit so hard? Why chase Reggie Jackson after his buyout? And then... Because going back to the choice between Clippers and Lakers, right? It really was Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson <laughs> were the two who decided... To go Clippers, but what I love is the Lakers went full petty, and that was beautiful. Like I said it, I remember saying it as a joke. All right, well, if Marcus Morris picks the Clippers, then the Lakers should go after Markeith. 
And what did the Lakers do? Went after Marquise. So you neutralized. So they all separated families too. Well, no, Shut I'm sure mind. they live together. You, you neutralized. <laughs> yeah, because now they li- they live in LA together. So no, if but anything, separated. Nah, if anything, the Lakers brought the family together because he was where somewhere marooned off in Detroit or Washington, someplace know, like know. that. Somewhere. Yeah, he was bouncing around. Maybe the Spurs. I don't know. Someplace. But so now you get Mar- Markeith Morris, and what you did was you neutralize all the asshole toughness that Marcus Morris brings. Because what's he gonna do? Do that to his brother? I think not. I think he totally would. Those dudes are crazy. Yeah, but see, brother. now you can balance it. You can balance it out, though, because what the Lakers didn't have was a other than Rondo, a dude that's just gonna be reckless in the playoffs and throw an elbow or punch somebody in the face. Rondo's the only one that could do that, and I feel like the Clippers have four of those. Yeah, no, they got a bunch of crazy ass dudes. Yeah, like Pat Bev would. Marcus uh, Morris. I don't would. know if Pat Bev really would. Yeah, he would. He I would. Think. He broke. Uh, he broke he, Russell Westbrook's he, knee he though. Would, <laughs> like, yeah, like that's Russell though. Reggie Jackson. Oh, Reggie Russell, Jackson. that was great. You see what he did with Clay? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I just feel like the Lakers needed one more other than Rondo. They needed a big guy that could. That Javale could McGee. That. Nah, nah, see, Javale he, ain't about that life. Javale, this he's goofy. Is, he's not like. See, aggressive. Demarcus was supposed to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. This is champ. This is champion Javale McGee. He's a different guy than than Wizards Javale. McGee. What about Dwight? Maybe Dwight? Nah, Dwight's just happy to be performing and being a part of a winner right now. Dwight this, has not stopped smiling. Is he having another baby this year? Oh my God! What? No, I'm asking. Like that's just a legitimate question. There's a big pork. Oh, he, <laughs> he's he's in L. A. How no, no. how is Dwight Howard the only person to to not? Come out of this whole Kobe Bryant thing, like less respected. Wow, like he's the only. Everybody's like, "Oh, LeBron, he's a great guy." We knew LeBron was a great guy, but now it's like, "Nah, he's a great guy." Jordan, oh, like he's a great guy. He gave a great speech. Shaq, like, oh, he's handling so much grease. Dwight Howard, like, what the, what the fuck you doing, bro? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Take that off. <laughs> no, I feel, I feel like, I feel like, um, people are. Using some mental gymnastics here to say that Dwight Howard finally got what Kobe was trying to tell him. And now that's how he turned into this. Because what we see now is him finally accepting Kobe's advice. But have you seen him? Like, do you see what he looks like? I don't think he listened to anything Kobe said because he looks a whole fool. He's happy. Everyone's listened to everything Kobe says. Yeah, he's happy. Yeah, that's true. He's happy. It's been working. Uh, real quick on the Bucks, They already clinched the playoff spot. What the hell? Is the East like the East isn't even that bad? The East isn't bad at all. Oh, are actually. they that good? Yeah, when you look at it, the West is that we're so used to the West being better than the East, but this year it is not. Like when you look at the East from one to eight, it's just as good or better than the West. The West is just top heavy with the two LA teams and the Nuggets, who I still think is going to ruin the Western Conference Finals that we want to see. But, and you know what it is? Why Dante? The Western Conference Finals we want to see includes the Kings. I mean, John, that's not realistic. <laughs> like that, you talk about a clusterfuck earlier. That situation is. A Yo, they got fuck. they got Marvin Williams sixteen years after passing up on him for Andrew Bogut with the number one overall pick in the draft. Of course they did. Look at them making it right. Of course they did. Just just fixing everything in Milwaukee, but. I, I was kind of, and I know we saw it a couple of years ago with the Warriors, but like I, when I saw it on the ESPN ticker and I saw the Bucks clinch a spot. I thought, well, what the hell is their record? They clinch a playoff spot. In they only have like what six, seven losses. Yeah, or I think like there is something crazy like forty-seven and seven or didn't the, the but the the general manager or someone said we could win eighty games or something like that. I mean, kind of crazy ass general manager is that. I mean, the confident one who signs people to the team. You know what? 
I stand corrected. They have to. They have to win this year, right? Are you entering a race saying you're gonna lose? Who am I running against? It doesn't matter. It does. I mean, right now, yes, it does. But <laughs> if you're a professional sprinter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no, no. Of course, you're gonna win. When you write an article, are you gonna let someone outwrite you? Nobody can outwrite me. There you go. Except for good writers. Well, now you just gave yourself you like, gave the game a bunch away. of them out there. They have to win to keep you honest, don't they? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, like they have to. They can't not. One, win. they had to make all the right moves. A couple of them that I thought were risky, but it turns out it's working good. And yeah, they absolutely. The Bucks have are forty nine and eight. Jesus. Crazy. You know what's crazy? Toronto's in second. Yeah. But yeah, they do have to win because if you don't win, then Giannis starts to look around like, I need more help. Which seems like a crazy thing for a team that's 49 and 8. But I think a lot of that is overachieving. Well, I think he knows. You know who look good on that team? Buddy? Yeah. Yeah. I think he knows, like, he, if they don't do this now, they're not, help is not on the way. Nobody's yeah, pining to get to the Bucks. Yeah, you could take that buddy quote from Sacramento and apply it to all of, a whole lot of these small market teams. Nobody is coming here in free agency. Like, you're not going to be at the top three of anyone's free agency list. Yeah, and then you got Miami that's already. They already moved Hassan Ooh. Whiteside to try to get. Trash team. They already moved him to try to get, uh, to get uh, Giannis. I know, Tage. I know you wanted you wanted to talk about Miami, and you said that they're they're looking a bit fraudy here in mm-hmm. the second half. I want to get to John's blood feud with the Heat first oh, because gosh. John is a life or was a lifelong Miami Heat fan, and that ended because of very personal reasons. Because I like man, they kicked John from a photography. They ain't spot. kicked me. They snitched on me. They questioned yeah. John being in a photography spot, which has never happened to him in the history of his photography. I was gonna career. say, yeah, like I've, I'm, you just usually walk into places yeah. with we cameras literally on. Literally call it Johnning. Yeah, yeah we, it's a whole thing where John walks into no, a place said, with his cameras on. They and said they, they lied on my name. That's all they oh, did. Oh boy, What'd they, they lied do? on What'd my they name. What they do, John? Oh no, I went to the game, and I saw there were spots open, so I know how the heat goes. So I said, hey, can I go for the first quarter, first half, because the Kings were coming. Mm-hmm. Towards, towards the spot. Him. You yeah. taught your always family. So they called and they said, yeah, there's no issue. Bam. Then I get an email saying, they said I wanted to be a photographer the whole game. I said, I never say that. I said I wanted to take some shots. Somebody was hating. Yeah, they were just hating. And they won the game. But they was hating. So, yeah, we got Ooh. beef with them. Was it? Was they, it do what? they think we have a, a budget that we could just, you know, fly a photographer and a reporter in? I wish we did. I like, wish we did. We don't have the money. We're third world here, man. Unfortunately. Was it them not. or was it somebody else somebody outside the of the organization who was heat. hating on you? No, someone in the heat. It was the heat. Oh, boy. So, I feel like we... I wish we had the money. That's why they're on a losing streak, this. though. That's common. Yeah, that's what happens. We yeah. should investigate who this snitch-ass mofo is. We, we like Donald Trump, no snitches. But and oh no, no oh, we're not, God, not at all. Edit that but out. In, in terms of in terms of them on the court, Bloomberg falling apart. Uh, <laughs> as as we record this Cut right the now, they blew like a twenty five point lead to the Cavs of all people. Hmm. So you got with no LeBron. You got to <laughs> with no John Beeline. Forget LeBron. John Beeline was like, you know what? You know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna go coach at University of uh, something. Dayton. <laughs> you gotta and, be wondering what the hell is going on with the Heat right now. Is the culture changed? Well, Butler was hurt, wasn't he? And so was Hero. Yeah, I mean, Butler's been hurt for a minute, though. You still expect them to be able to take care of a 25 point lead against the goddamn Cavaliers. Yeah. Like that. 25. I can see 21. It was a twenty. It was a second half lead too. So it's not like they just had that lead early in the game. Like I said, I went to bed. It was somewhere in the third quarter, and they were blowing them out. 
And then you wake up and you see that they lost in overtime to Cleveland. <laughs> was Cleveland? Was it in Cleveland? Was it a back-to-back? Uh, it was in Cleveland, but I don't care if it was a back-to-back. It's a twenty-five point lead. Even if they play in Cleveland in the no, I just know that it makes it that worse because it's Cleveland. Yeah, like you lost to Cleveland in Cleveland. Like you can't even like go party your sorrows away. No way. It's like like oh, I'm gonna just go in my room and be cold. Bum ass team. The heat may <laughs> Jesus. The heat may not no, it's a real blood feud, like a serious. The heat may not be for real, but Toronto. We do have to take this seriously, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, you have I to. I saw Toronto in person. I, <laughs> um yeah. Kyle Lowry is is the charging king now. I'm not convinced by his performance in the All Star game. Tage, you take the Raptors seriously. I watch so much of them, and I hate watching them so much, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. They always win, and they always play in some, like, they remind me of, like, UCLA under Ben Howland. Like, you don't know what the score is. You just know they come down and pass the ball around, and sometimes people hit shots, and sometimes people don't. I don't I don't understand them. I'm not rooting for them. I don't want to watch them in the playoffs. God damn. They, I really don't. Tell us how you really feel. I like because you know I got the whole sports package, but like TSN is like the most consistent thing on the package. So I watch a lot of Raptors games, and I, I don't, I'm not feeling them. I want to talk about a team that we do not want to see play this year, but a team that is intriguing, looking ahead to the next few years. A team I like to call Les Miserables. It is the combination of the two most miserable players. Anywhere in the NBA, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, together for I don't I don't know it's not going to be forever, but Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together like both of them are sidelined now because Kyrie obviously is done for this season, which we all expected. How much games did he play? Like ten? Eleven? I think it Somewhere. was eleven. It was about the same amount he that he Duke? played when he when he was at Duke, right? How many played Duke? One. He played like ten at Duke. He played ten at Duke. Do we think this has any chance of working? No. Because Kyrie Irving, he's ascending to a higher plane. What? Of miserable, of just being miserable. Of life. That, that dude, third eye is open. He is woke. He is the vice president of the NBA PA. How the hell did that How happen? did that, yeah. Like, what the hell happened yo, at Bahamar when we weren't paying attention? Bahamar, yeah. a great resort, by great, the way. Great, Wonderful. great, great, great. Anyone best. should go there at any point. Send us some brunch tickets, resort. yo. It's the best resort I've ever been to. I love Bahamar I so love much. Bahamar. I was there Friday. Please send brunch tickets. But what the hell happened where Kyrie Ir- where people decided that he Kyrie Irving people to should be the leader? Yo, he opened that third eye. He opened up their third eyes and now they are woke i blame dj ignite <laughs> what's sean do he, he knew something what he knew something do? like he run too much good ignited, ignited his his presidential campaign yo, that is you could imagine you could imagine his speech his Kyrie speech is like yo you know what i mean thing. yeah it was about being woke in youtube videos and getting your chakras together yo i don't know i don't know what the cba is gonna look like but i can tell you with 100 percent certainty that their chakras are going to be aligned. Who? The the NBA PA. I just want to see. Stay woke, Kyrie John. walked off the court of Jeff Rogers and then he got voted oh, vice we, president. Oh, we've been against him ever since. Like, I've, I've been off that wave. You know what it is? We saw him first because when he was coming up, like, we didn't know. No more, nobody knew much about him. He was this heartwarming story. His mom died. His dad was in September 11th. He was born in Australia. He's such a great guy. Look at him. He smiles. He's happy. And then he goes to Play Cleveland. 20 games. Yeah, he goes to Cleveland. He's like, nah, he's kind. He might be an asshole. Yeah, you saw. He goes I, to Boston. He's definitely an asshole. He no, goes bro, to Brooklyn. That, like, what the was, fuck? He was definitely an asshole, and you saw murmurs 
about that when he was in Cleveland pre-LeBron. Because everybody else in the locker room was like, he is not treated like the rest of us. And I don't know if people, there's revisionist history about it, but Cleveland was ready to get rid of him before LeBron decided to go back. But you could, but a lot of that, you, I kind of wrote off as they're a bad team. They're an awful team. He's a one good player on a bad team. So maybe the team gets a little better. But Let's see look, what it look does. At it now. And now it's like, <laughs> no, we saw it first. Which is why I want to see how the hell this is going to work with him and Kevin Durant. They are never happy. Kevin Durant was the best player on two championship teams. Still not happy. Kyrie Irving hit a game-winning monumental shot. Maybe some argue the most important shot in NBA Finals history. Still not happy. Doesn't Durant have like a buyout uh, player option after this year? Like after the second year? I don't know what he has. I know he has burner accounts. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, if if it gets spicy, then burn is about to be going off about Kyrie. I, ju- I just want to see who is going to be. You know what? Let's play this game. Who is going to be the person in the Brooklyn locker room? That is going to be tired of their shit the quickest. I want to guess first. Who? Torian Prince? Kyrus Levert. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Because Kyr- that dude is doing... Him and Dinwiddie, those dudes are doing their thing. I, didn't- I just assume Dinwiddie ain't going to be there. Well, all you know is that Levert was one of those people. He was on the team last year with Trash. And then he gets these two superstars. And now he's good. like, I got to deal with this shit? Yeah, the the thing is, they were kind of... I, I think people... People probably like D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. I remember when they traded him and I was like, I don't Ooh, know. DeAndre Jordan might not put up with this. Nah, no, but see, they love he's Kevin other. Durant's friend. He, yeah. Like, that's the reason. He he actually used the leverage of being KD's friend to finesse his way in there. All I, I, ju- I just went Torian Prince because Wait, why we don't got friends like that that and can get us, like, million-dollar jobs? We working on it. He, and Josh Smith told me not to respect anybody that plays basketball with locks. You know Josh weird. Smith can't palm a basketball? Really? Small yeah. hands. Is he Joe Burrow? Well, what, I just saw the thing. What happened with Joe Burrow? It's a very, very stupid thing that NFL journalists do, oh, where they small become arm quarterbacks. they become obsessed with oh. the hand size measurement at the NFL combine. Well, Johnny Manziel was supposed to be the next uh, Joe uh, Joe Montana. So everybody's obsessed with hand size. Joe Burrow. You know my theory. Joe Burrow measured like a, a nine or whatever it was. That, I don't know. But that's that, I. I don't fucking know. It's it's weird that they obsess over that. Um, who was it? Was it? I was listening to the Mina Kimes podcast. I can't remember who her guest was, but this guy What's was What's the name of a podcast? ESPN Daily. That's what it... Or? The Daily. The Nightly. No, it was, it's not the one with her and Lanny. Oh. She, yeah. Um, so... The Daily. They were saying they were saying that... They were talking about the Jamarcus Russell workout, and he bombed his workout. Like, it was just awful. And you know how media gathers, and they said, wow, that guy can't make a throw. But this one scout was like... Yeah, but did you see the signs of the hat? <laughs> did you see the size of his hands? So everybody was enamored with that, even though they knew that he would be shitty. Did you? I just listened to this is random, but I remember uh, Lane Kiffin was on a podcast with Levitard on like Friday, and he was talking about how he was the coach of the Raiders, and um, and Al Davis wanted Jamarcus Russell yeah. so bad, and Lane Kiffin was like, "This dude can't play." No, and he Lane him. Kiffin was like, "Let me get Calvin Johnson, like, please. Yeah. Jeff Garcia is a free agent. Let me get this transcendent receiver with this veteran quarterback who may have something left. Let me see if that. Can yeah, work. they're like, now nah, we want Jamarcus this Russell. We can throw it eighty yards. ESPN." Smallest hands for a quarterback since 2008. Hey, you know who had small hands? Dante Culpepper. Pat Mahomes. And what'd he do? 
Exactly. And that's why, so Joe Burrow made this tongue-in-cheek tweet where he said, Consider retirement yeah. after I was informed that football will be slipping out of my tiny hands. Please keep me in your thoughts. That's <laughs> his tweet exactly. And so Pat Mahomes why don't we follow tweets him? him back and he says, you know what? They said I had small hands too. I think I did okay. He did all right. It's just one of those weird things. It happens with any kind of... Any, any any terms of measurement with any draft, any combine, it happens in basketball too. You get, you get it, it's a mixture between the analytics nerds and the pure sport people, and they find one measurement that they think is the determining factor. They take it and run with and it. Speaking of analytics and pure sports people, the D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving trade. I remember when they made it. On paper, Kyrie Irving was a superior player. Off paper, he's fucking Kyrie Irving, and everywhere he go, everybody hates him. Everybody hates Kyrie. Everybody hates Kyrie. He came to... How you go to Jeff Rogers basketball camp and everybody hates you there? I'll never forget it. We got to do a quick Buddy Aiton update. Free Buddy! Before we get out of here, let's go, let's go Buddy first. I thought everything would change after All-Star Weekend and nothing changed after All-Star. It's worse. The fucking Kings. Ken Bazemore's playing more than Buddy. They love Ken Bazemore so much and I don't understand it. Yo, first of all, and I'm going to say it, the Kings social media account is trash buddy could put up six million points and they're gonna put the Aaron fox like look at the speed look at bogdan he crossed somebody over target the Aaron fox fuck the kings the Aaron fox ain't <laughs> it's not the Aaron fox fault let's, yo let's, you know what the problem is let's with, keep our energy on bogdanovich and ken base the, the problem with the kings i feel right now is whenever you hear luke talk he always talks about the offense why don't you care about some defense that's all i'm saying you know, oh, we got to make sure we're gelling on offense and this and that. You know, how about just shuffle your feet and play some defense? So, Benji Ma is still in full effect. Yeah, of course. Right? So, how about they trade Buddy to the Bucks for White Dante? Bro, my, my thing is, this was the only person keeping your organization afloat. The only person you could sell. The only reason anyone had any reason to care about the Kings during All-Star Weekend was this guy. And coming out of that, you're playing Ken Bazemore more minutes than him. They wouldn't be the kings if they knew what the fuck they were doing. Also, Harrison Barnes said he's not going to shave his beard head till they get to 500. Yeah, we talked so about that. So that man sh- good looks yeah. scruffy. We talked about that shit last part, and Yo. I don't know if he has a wife or girlfriend. But he keep, does have a wife, and she's black. Keep her in your purse. Because she got to go out with that man. She's fucking black. Also, I also want to... I mean, he rich, though, so... I would like to tell the King social media account people, because you know they have to listen you, to this. You really have um, There's no reason to quote the Prime Minister and anything in social media for the Kings. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, my God. No reason. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Why did they... They thought that was important. It is not important. Nobody gives a fuck what Minnis has to yeah. say about basketball. So, well, oh. maybe about other things either. Oh, yeah. I about can everything. But really about basketball. Yeah, so Nobody cares. Hey, dear Sack, this is the same government that cuts sports budget, like, completely. So, if y'all want to keep putting this guy out there who doesn't even, like, I don't know. Also, I did a... um Because we talked about who... Because, you know, the, we have a fatwa against the kings, the people of the Bahamas. Yeah. I did a poll. It was a very uh, scientifically sturdy poll I did on Twitter. All you need is like 100 people to comment. I, I, about I'm who was, was seven. Go ahead. It was like 20. About oh, who? who right, was, close, that's close enough. Who was our Ayatollah? Who could issue a fatwa against the kings? It was Rodney Monker. Out of, uh, out of Cindy Patrice Daxon, Hubert Menace, and Rodney Monker is Rodney Monker by a landslide. Yeah. So, so next time, Sacramento Kings, if you want to quote Ali, to quote Rodney Monker. I would prefer they quote him than They can than quote, quote me, Menace. Mario. They quote, quote literally anybody yeah. else because I do not believe there is a politician here that has seen Buddy Heal play. I don't think Except so. Except Perry Christie. 
He caused him to lose plenty of games. Yeah, that handshake. Uh, anyway. All right, let's go, Aiden. The Suns are actually doing pretty well. Free Aiden. The Suns are actually doing well. And Aiden, last seven games, averaging 22.2 points, 13.8 boards, and two blocks. You know what the most impressive thing is? He blocking shots. Yeah. Did, did he finally get the you bitch moment out of him? Like, hitting the ball and saying you bitch at the same time? I think he does. And you know what? And this is something me and Tay talked about on the last pod, right? That is something that you pick up and you develop over years of just undergoing adolescence in the Bahamas. Something that he missed out on. Yeah. But I think parts of it are starting to click in his in his memory. Like, we're born it, with that. Let, against the Bulls, he was like, he didn't wake up until... I can't even until one some dude from the Bulls blocked him, and he said his name really condescendingly, like this guy isn't supposed to block me, and that's when things turned around, and he ended up putting up twenty eight and nineteen. So I think he's developing that that in him, but definitely you can see from the numbers, like he he's getting it. Also, I checked the Suns' record. I thought they would be in on that terrible list. They're not. They're with the same record as the Kings. They they won like they're in the twenties and they're, wins. They're on. You know what? Not terrible mode. Yeah. That's where they're at right now. Uh, That's King, where a lot of the West is. The Kings are fucking terrible. Here's the more important thing. When is DeAndre going to hit his first NBA three? I'm not worried about that. I think it's coming soon. Yeah. You're not worried, but it would be just nice for him to hit one. It would be It would be, It would would be. be. Nice. Also, Ricky Rubio, we had like 11 assists last game. Listen, I, I like the way this team is playing. I like the fact that they have a firm idea who, of who their rotations are. I like the fact that DeAndre gets it, and I want to see where this goes from here. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I'm ready for that right now. All right. This is great. We hit on everything we needed to. Uh, we are going to continue to talk national team stuff leading up until November because... The Bahamar men's national oh. team. That's, that's a company, man. Send us brunch tickets, please. Y'all stay woke. Mike Bloomberg, 2020.